You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature podcast. In today's program, Father Paul notes the interconnection between Genesis, Ezekiel, and the Gospel of Matthew. I am delighted to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. Scripture is not that simplistic that you hear and you get it. No, you have to be patient and let it impose itself into your hearing. Otherwise, you read this, uh, and, uh, you know, his parents didn't like the fact that he married uh, two Hittites. But it's very silly, because the first one, her name is Yehudit. And it's classic later. I mean, you have actually an apocryphal book about Judith that is presented as a great woman, as Ruth. So watch out for simplifying things to accommodate your already preconceived theology. Because then, a smart person will ask you the question and you won't be able to answer that person. And my comments here, this is written in preparation for the feud between Jacob and Esau. Esau's children were Jews through Judith way before Jacob's children through Judah. And we have another example later. Let me do a jump just to show you that this is not uh, happenstance because later we are told that the two main children of Joseph that are the backbone of the kingdom of Israel, which is the major kingdom in the biblical story, which is Israel, are Ephraim and Manasseh. But these two are the children of Joseph through his wife, who is the daughter of the high priest of On, of the Egyptian temple and God. You don't hear this in theology. Ephraim and Manasseh, son of Joseph and so on. And this is mentioned only in a passing verse. But we'll get to that. So beware. Burn your libraries the way God burned the libraries of his city, Jerusalem, and send them with nothing to Mesopotamia. That's why scripture started in Mesopotamia. But you know, classical scholarship said, you know, no, no, no. They took with them on the back of their camels and dogs and so on, the scrolls that Amos had said to them. Are you kidding me? Where do you read this? 
And then let me look ahead to Ezekiel in 16. Your origin and your birth are of the land of the Canaanites. Your father was an Amorite and your mother, let's do it in unison, a Hittite. And he's talking to Jerusalem and Samaria. And this is repeated. I like it when it is repeated. It is intended. What I read was verse 3 of Ezekiel 16. Listen to verse 45 of 16, which means once at the beginning, once at the end, bracketing the chapter. And at this point, he puts it inversion. Your mother was a Hittite and your father an Amorite. And you could see the bracketing inversion. So the attitude of Rebecca was pure jealousy whose aim intention will be foiled by God in the following chapter. That Esau also will be blessed. Okay. And to make the ultimate jump to Matthew, bear fruit that befits repentance and do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. And you know the dig in that, that the stones that I put into rubble, but this time I'm going to put instead of your heart of stone, a heart of flesh. And this is the way we have to understand scripture. And you could guess in my tone that I'm getting sick, tired, sick and tired, tired and sick of your bloody theology. Bloody in the real sense, because you kill people in its name. Take the Crusades and take Constantine with the sign of the cross. Take the armies and the military, military planes and military tanks of all the northern countries of Europe and one of them is in the south of Greece where you have the cross on their flag. At least Hitler was respectfully put a twisted cross but the Scandinavian countries and Greece and England they have a cross a cross okay friends perhaps my legacy is that scripture is what is katub which is already written and fully written Remember Deuteronomy and the end of Revelation. And those who always say, but Father Paul is a Protestant. Are you kidding me? Don't you see the footnotes in the study Bible of the Protestants and their books of theology? What do you mean I'm like them? It's scripture, the way it is written. And again, it is written to be heard not to be read. It is written 
to be heard. It's interesting, Father Paul, that in life, when the imperials or the colonials or the Americans or the whatevers, because there'll always be another whatever, when they go somewhere, they always say, the desert was barren. We made the land fruitful. There were no people there. But in Genesis, <laughs> no matter where Abraham goes, there's always somebody there. You never find empty land in Genesis. Yeah, that's why the writers of the Bible, who were Mesopotamians, as I say, they spoke very highly of the Syrian wilderness of Tadmor. But they were smart enough, humanly speaking, that they aimed for the Lebanese and the Palestinian coasts. They would go up the Euphrates, down the Orontes and the seashore, and they would leave Eden to God. And that is a dig to everybody. It's a dig. And you can't help it. I mean, people nowadays, they try, they build villages and so on. But if you go to the Syrian desert and the Arabian desert, already in Jordan, you will notice that it is still overwhelmingly present. The kingdom of Jordan, notice, it's a contradiction in terms, kingdom and so on, and palace and so on. But it's based on tribes. King Hussein, the older one, was very smart. He had to deal with the tribes to keep. You cannot eliminate them. But you cannot say the same thing in Lebanon. But in Jordan, you can. So your statement is very important. That it is something that is... Scripture is challenging. It's telling you that this wilderness is the place where God resides and not in palaces. And let me expand. That is the irking story of the 40 years. You know, 40 years is a full generation. That's why I keep saying those who left Egypt did not enter Canaan. Those who entered Canaan had to be circumcised because they were not circumcised. No one leaves Egypt and enter Canaan. And this is where God in his Torah is. And he meets his people in the tent of encounter. It has two names, the tent of encounter and tent of the promise. Adut has this meaning. I mean, that story, and then the orthodox thing that during the services of Great Lent, they cross. How could you cross in 40 days what Israel crossed during 40 years? I mean, you see the joke. So, I'm backing you, but I think there is more to that in that this is where God is. And you know my comment, let me expand on that, that the choice, because they had different words to speak about wilderness, they chose Midbar, which could be made up, I don't know, but whether made up or not, 
if you hear it consonantally, it means out of the word, and it could mean mudabber, the one who is speaking. And I cannot accept that it is not intentional. Because you have other words used early in Genesis about khurba, khurbe in Arabic. Like now we use it to say khurbet and so on. It's like the tell, the mesa of something. But this is rubble. But, you know, the Hebrew midbar tells you already what you hear in our silly hymns in Orthodox Church. I say silly because the people perceive them spiritually. Is that the life-giving wilderness? Well, you don't need that in Hebrew. Midbar. If you hear the story scripturally, that God met his people there and he told uh, Moses to strike the rock and water comes and so on, she's the oasis. It is something. If after my demise, my hearers would start kissing the text of the Bible, not the Bible for which they pay $75. If they kiss the text of the Bible, then I'll be happy in the grave. I'll feel like Pharaoh. So it's high time that we make this step to absorb the story as it is written to be heard. And hence my lengthy answers that irritate people, you know, enough, enough, there is no enough. There is the story of the verb midbar, which is ridiculous. And then dabar, which I discuss also in my book, it is used in the Bible a few times to mean to tend the flock. And how many times I said in Arabic, a tadbir, which is the economia, is to tend to the tribe, the household. And let me move to an extreme because uh, I'm going to come to it. But, you know, let's bring it together at one point. I mean, it is not by the flip of the coin that the author decided to refer to the tribe as shebet, which is the same word as staff of the shepherd and the scepter of the king. It cannot possibly be happenstance. Where do you hear it in English? You can't hear it. You have scepter. And again, you see how it says, here it means scepter. Here it means staff. Here it means tribe. I mean, this is ridiculous. So my conclusion in my Rise of Scripture in the following book uh, uh, took me almost at least 40 years. Uh, It's not simplistic. 
because even if it is there, it doesn't mean that you can hear it or see it immediately. I remember a story of my parishioner. Let me go along those lines because they are important. Parishioner of mine, a woman who was Orthodox, her husband was not, but they got married in the Orthodox Church. So I, I used to go and visit and bless their house. And I would meet with him at least once, if not more, during festivities. And during one of my visits, he shared with me that he's never sated from rereading the book of Melville on Captain Ahab and the whale, Moby Dick. And I heard this from him, an American, telling me, I read it every now and then because it's so rich. Every time I've discovered something I missed the time before. But he never said, as today you would say, the way I view Moby Dick, he didn't talk like that. It is there, because if it is not there, you either can't find it, or you find your imagination. And going back to Genesis 2 regarding the wilderness, you could see it's a very funny text. You have a river coming out of there that splits into four rivers, which doesn't reflect the reality of these four rivers. So the biblical Eden is made up against the background of the Syrian desert. But if you want to do as the archaeologists, biblical, to go and dig and find this original river of the four rivers. Because an Armenian would say, well, it must be Armenia because these are the sources of the Euphrates and the Nile. I mean, it never ends. Okay, we need to rehear this. We need to rehear it. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network. 